2: What a
3: tremendous week it has been, depending on how you look at it. A tremendously historic, hoping you had a tremendous week yourself. This is Joe Sebelia guest hosting the Arthur Idalla Power Hour tonight. What an honor and a thrill it is to be sitting in the host seat once more on Arthur Idalla's radio show. It is always such a delightful experience to be working with the great team that Arthur has. The Assemblage of Radio Talents. Unparalleled, anywhere else on the airwaves, here in New York City or elsewhere across the 50 United States of America. Uh, First, I, I should thank Joan Pelzer, the marvelous producer who puts the whole show together and makes everything happen. I know that sometimes Joan gets ragged on a little bit on the air, but Joan really is the cream of the crop when it comes to radio producers. So, Joan, I thank you for all of your efforts and then there 's Matt Sam Bowen now on the more <laughs> thank Im- you on the more important things we 're going to discuss. no, Matt, how are you? Thank you again for all of your help in putting the show together. Uh
4: I do do my best, but yes, Joan is amazing, and she does a fantastic job daily day in and day out for this program absolutely, as do you. You, you pick out all the great music
3: we 're going to hear. Uh, on the show, and what a show it is, because we have Alan Dershowitz joining us to talk about what is the huge legal news that has taken place this week. And uh, Christine Nicholas, the CEO of Nicholson Lentz Communications, co-host of AM 970's Radio Night Live Fun Friday edition, which follows this program, and the public relations representative of the Grand Penn Community Alliance. And she's going to be talking about the future of Madison Square Garden. Will it remain above Penn Station. We're going to find out from Christine Nicholas and what's going on with that. But the big thing that's going on that everybody in the country has been talking about, and of course in New York, because truly the subject of this story is, by and large, the quintessential New Yorker. Now, Arthur Idalla, of course, has become known as the quintessential New Yorker, but Donald Trump also could bear the title of a quintessential New Yorker. He's up there, I would say. He's he's certainly made uh, his mark on the city, uh, for better or for worse, depending on how you look at it. But Donald Trump has become the first U.S. president in history to receive a mugshot. And on the front page of the New York Post, on the cover, it's almost entirely just Donald Trump's mugshot. Normally, the New York Post will indulge in some kind of a cheeky uh, title on the cover a headline grabber. Uh, a headline grabber exactly and they don't even go for that there's a little bit of fine print at the bottom of the page and that's it and uh it, it's truly shocking the first thing i saw when i woke up this morning that these are the joys of being single normally if you're married you wake up the first thing you see in your morning is the face of your beautiful wife the first thing i see i turn on my phone and it's donald trump's mugshot <laughs> so it's not quite as pleasant as it is uh if i were to be married but I have to say, first of all, Donald Trump didn't do such a bad job getting his mugshot taken. I Mm -hmm. actually think it's a pretty good picture. But the weird thing is there is a picture of Donald Trump from when he was in the White House. It might have been from around the time he was inaugurated president in 2016, uh, or actually 2017. I I take that back. And uh, it's got the White House in the background and the American flag. And it's almost the exact same photo, the same angle, the same same lighting, the same Trump scowl on his face, except it's a little more extreme in the mugshot and uh, truly frightening. Now, in the office, there has been a lot of debate this week about the merits of smiling for your mugshot. Some people thought in the Rudy Giuliani mugshot, for example, that he should have smiled. Others said he took it the appropriate way Donald Trump obviously did not smile for his mugshot either and i am totally against the concept of smiling for a
4: mugshot you should not be happy or even <laughs> look happy that you're being processed and i think I, I agree it's it's not something that the the common person wants to be having done Take, getting their mugshot taken for uh, illegal activities uh, and there's a mugshot of Justin Bieber that has been circulating for years, and
3: he's got this big beaming grin on his face, and it almost comes off as creepy to me. I don't. I mean, I'm sure he was, you know, perfectly in the right mind when he had his mugshot taken. I, I hope he was at least, but it, it just comes across as creepy to me. But Donald Trump's mugshot, I, I'm less interested in specifically what the charges are against Donald Trump than what are the cultural ramifications of this mugshot. Going to be because there has been a parade of celebrity mugshots over the years that have made their rounds across the tabloids and in the media and even in merchandising. Already, Donald Trump is taking advantage of the merchandising bandwagon and his (laughs) campaign website is selling everything from mugs to shirts to bumper stickers emblazoned with his uh, scowling mug, mugshot. (laughs) And I'm sure it's selling out. Uh, oh yes, I'm. Sh- I'm sure they they must be selling like hotcakes and a brilliant merchandising move, no less. But there are a few mugshots I think that will equal uh, Donald Trump's mugshot. It's already taking the media by storm. It's already sweeping popular culture, and it's going to be one of those things that we're going to be seeing for the rest of our lives. You know, you know, you know when uh, Donald Trump is eulogized. Hopefully, not for many, many years. Uh, you know that that's going to be one of the pictures they use in the obituary. Yes. And there's only a few people who truly have had a mugshot that will have the lasting impact his has. One of them that might surprise people, you might not even be thinking of, was taken something like 85 years ago. This was back in 1938. and It's a mugshot of Frank Sinatra. So when Frank Sinatra was 23 years old, he was arrested... Uh, on a charge of seduction. Now, keep (laughs) in mind that this... Now, first of all, I am so grateful to know that even if this was still considered a crime today, no way I'd be arrested for that, because Uh, I know nothing about the power of seduction. Give
4: yourself a little more credit, but... uh, Oh, no,
3: please don't. I don't want to be arrested. (laughs) (laughs) Don't implicate me here on this radio show. But Frank Sinatra was arrested for a crime that basically what it was was that a man may convince a woman who was... Not married at that point to engage in some behavior that should be reserved for marriage. So the charge ended up being dropped and then ended up being modified to adultery because they found out this woman that he was with was married. Sounds like
4: he had a good lawyer.
3: He must have, but uh, adultery was also a crime back then. So even though the charges never really stuck, the mugshot did. And now anywhere you go... I've seen so many t-shirts and posters at Italian restaurants. You go to an Italian restaurant, you think you're gonna see a beautiful painting of Sorrento or something. And instead I gotta look at Frank Sinatra's mugshot from eighty-five <laughs> years ago. But this is something that sticks with a lot of these celebrities. And I'm curious to know as we're discussing this, feel free to call in. The number is eight seven seven nine seven zero two nine nine nine. What is your favorite celebrity mugshot? Please Feel free to call in and uh, give your bid for who's will live in infamy uh, as far as celebrity mugshots go. 877-970-2999. Personally, I think the mugshot that has had the most lasting impact uh, for an association with the celebrity, and it's not necessarily somebody who is exceptionally famous. They, they were very famous in their time, but I would say their fame had receded quite some bit, especially after this mugshot was publicized, was someone we discussed the last time I filled in on this show, and that would be Paul Rubens, the actor who played Pee Wee Herman. Okay. As you may recall, uh, when he was arrested in 1991 uh, for his uh, indecent exposure charge uh, at the adult movie theater in Sarasota, Florida, that mugshot was, much like the Donald Trump mugshot, uh, the, the main attraction on the cover of many a tabloid. It featured him with a goatee and very long, scraggly hair, quite unlike the picture of Pee Wee Herman that many people had in their heads. And it truly did derail his career. But in the many years as a Pee Wee Herman fan that I've spent on this earth, if I were to look up Pee Wee Herman merchandise on the internet, many things I'll find are people trying to sell, you know, t-shirts with his mugshot on it from 1991. So, and even when he passed away in the New York Post... In his obituary, they also reprinted that infamous mugshot, not the only mugshot he had, but specifically that 1991 mugshot uh, definitely is up there or is going to be up there with Donald Trump's mugshot because you know that the
4: Donald Trump mugshot is not going anywhere Anytime soon. I, I do have a text message from someone uh, you may know. Uh, I think they they claim that they are your mother. A claim, yes. They claim <laughs> that they are your mother, but okay. she liked to throw Nick Nolte's name in, onto this list.
3: Nick, Nick Nolte, that, that's a good name. Now, somebody who had a mugshot taken, I don't know if you remember this, Matt, uh, that somebody I think people forget uh, had a pretty infamous mugshot, uh, almost derailed his career. Uh, this was before he was famous, though, unlike Pee Wee. Pee Wee was already a known commodity when that mugshot got printed, uh, would be Tim Allen. Tim Allen okay. was arrested on uh, drug trafficking charges back in 1978, I believe, and then served his time, did his time in prison, kind of faded away, He started to rise to the ranks of stand-up, was on a Rodney Dangerfield special, had his own stand-up special, and then uh, got a deal with the Walt Disney Company to do a sitcom, a home improvement, and uh, the the show was sold to ABC. And then all of a sudden, once he gets the TV deal, a tabloid was threatening to break that story, and uh, Tim Allen and Disney very wisely came to the conclusion they should come out ahead of that. They handled his mugshot correctly, and uh, Tim Allen went to the press and told his story himself to USA Today. Uh, so th- there's another great celebrity mugshot for you. But Donald Trump's... I would say is going to rate among the top three most infamous, if not the most infamous, in uh, at least American history. Uh, but uh, rest assured that uh, uh, Donald Trump did take a good picture. I I would not be ashamed. Even with that scowl, to, even with the scowl, I wouldn't be ashamed to have that picture. A blazoned on a mug or on a bumper sticker of any kind. Coming up next, Alan Dershowitz on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. This is your host, guest host, Joe Sibilia, along with Matthew Sam Bolin. Uh, don't go away. We will be right back after this message.
5: I want to introduce you to a unique healthcare provider that may make your life easier called InfuCare RX. Under the watchful eye of my good friend, Devin Patel, founder and CEO, InfuCare RX is a leading nationwide specialty infusion pharmacy provider for patients with complex conditions. If you're currently in need of infusion services, whether IV or sub-Q infusions, InfuCare RX can offer a positive lifestyle change by providing these services in the comfort of your home rather than from a clinic or hospital patients of infucare rx have access to their full clinical team via phone and digital access 24 7 365. speak with your doctor and see if you're a candidate for the safe and convenient at-home infusion services of infucare rx to review the services please go to InfuCareRx.com. that's i-n-f-u-c-a-r-e-r-x.com infucare rx improving quality of
2: since 1964
6: feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates if you run or manage a local business today you're challenged like never before we get it and we want to help we're salem surround we're a full service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day night
5: and everywhere they might be if you're a local business and want to see what salem surround can do for you google salem surround new york remember to google salem surround new york today
7: this is Carol platt for townhall.com. Cars embody American freedom, individual liberty and mobility combined. In many ways, the automobile is a symbol of American freedom. But elites enthralled to the green agenda are meddling with Americans and their cars. In nine mostly blue states, they're pushing to create a market for electric vehicles. In Connecticut, in 12 years, you'll only be able to buy electric cars. How arrogant for politicians to try to substitute their own judgment for the free market. Look at the terrible track record of planned economies. As always, those who will be hurt most are those who can least afford it. They'll be forced to drive increasingly older cars ever farther to find increasingly expensive gas, as gas stations become fewer and farther between. It'll empower China, which controls 85% of the critical mineral supply needed to produce electric car motors. And what about the trafficked children enslaved in the Congo, binding cobalt for the batteries? What a complete travesty.
8: Remember when you were in your teens and you thought you were invincible? Well, the same rationale applies to adults too. When we're feeling good, we think everything is okay and we don't need a power of attorney or we think we don't need a healthcare proxy. We think, ah, we'll worry about that when we're older or we become sick. Well nothing could be further from the truth. The fact is if something happens, you might not be able to designate a power of attorney or healthcare proxy. What happens then? Then the state or the courts may have to make those choices for you. Is that what you want? Of course not. It's essential to create a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy as soon as you can when you're healthy. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law. They really know this stuff. They've been doing it for 40 years. They will help you make a plan that protects you best. You'll designate who you want to make decisions for you. For a free in-person initial consultation with a lawyer, call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500.
1: Listen to AM 970, The Answer, on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, And uh, now the end is near. You would think
3: the end is near, but so it is I only the beginning, right here on the Arthur Idala Power Hour with your guest host, Joe Sibilia. And joining me right now is friend, the estimable Alan Dershowitz, Harvard Law Professor, host of The Dershow, and the author of Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and Our Constitutional Rule of Law. Professor Dershowitz, always a pleasure to talk with you. How are you today?
0: it's great it's a great day i just hung up the uh trump mugshot in my i have a wall of crime <laughs> and i i hung it next to the frank sinatra um uh, mugshot um because uh you know that used to be the most famous mugshot ever people had t-shirts of it but now the trump mugshot is uh, more famous and it shows the political nature of this case. Why did they have to take a mugshot of him? Mugshots are designed in case he escapes and nobody knows what he looks like. They can put it out there. I mean, he's the most photographed man in the world. And so he is now turning the mugshot to his advantage, making mug mugs. That is uh, coffee mugs with his mugshot and um, and, and and T-shirts. So uh that's the world we live in today. The rule of law is submerged
3: the rule of politics. But it's funny you mentioned the Frank Sinatra mugshot, because we were just talking about famous celebrity mugshots on the first segment, and also I would put Paul Rubin's, uh, Pee Wee Herman's mugshot up there in the uh, uh, Hall yeah. of Fame, might you say, of mugshots. But uh, it, yeah. it, I'm curious to know, as an attorney, when a mugshot goes out of a celebrity or any person of note, Does it seem that the public puts the accused as guilty by default in the court of public opinion?
0: Without a doubt, it helps to cement the presumption of guilt. You know, I wrote a book called Guilt by Accusation a couple of years ago. And in fact, although constitutionally we have a presumption of innocence, in fact, when you're mugged and fingerprinted and indicted, you're presumed guilty even though everybody should know better uh the grand jury doesn't indict the grand jury is 24 chairs being moved around by the prosecutor it's the prosecutor who indicts and they can do it on a whim they don't need any evidence uh and you can't challenge really a grand jury indictment. So nobody should presume anybody guilty based on a grand jury uh indictment they still have to be presumed innocent but the mugshot is designed to send a message hey if this guy didn't do it how come we have a picture of him among, you know, John Dillinger?
3: Well, why didn't Donald Trump have to sit for a mugshot in the three prior indictments? Why is it only this one that he had to take the mugshot?
0: Because most other jurisdictions have a common sense rule and you don't need to have a mugshot if there are shots on file about you. Um but you know, this this prosecutor is so, so political. She recently said she would like the trial within two months. Previously she said six months. You know, I've been doing this 60 years. There's never been a trial in the history of of, of, of the United States uh, done so quickly, which is so complex and so difficult and so so many defendants involved. You're going to have 19 defendants. By the way, she said she wants to try them together. She has said she wants to try 19 defendants together within six months. That is a categorical lie. She knows she can't do that. She's misleading the court. She's acting unethically. She's doing exactly what Donald Trump has been accused of doing, and that is lying to the public, lying to the court. That's what she's doing. She knows she can't have this trial within six months. She'd like to because the the, the strategy is to get a quick down-and-dirty conviction, vulnerable to appeal. It'll then be appealed may be reversed on appeal, but if the reversal occurs, it'll happen after the election. So she wins if she gets a conviction before the election and a reversal after the election. That's what this is all about. Get Trump. Get Trump by any means. And these means are dangerous to all Americans.
3: And Specifically, the date that was thrown out there was October 23rd, which really is right around the corner. And as you've pointed out, this is entirely unrealistic uh, at the end of the day is this entirely politically motivated uh, for the d.a. if Fannie willis was unable to get a conviction of donald trump and uh, the other 18 uh co-defendants is it highly unlikely she will be reelected if she uh, had the opportunity to be reelected as oh, I, da i
0: have no i have no doubt about that and she'll run for the senate or governor or or some high position if she wins oh, look it'll probably be a split verdict there are 19 of them uh, she can't try them altogether. Uh, under Georgia law, uh, a defendant is entitled to a speedy trial, and some of the defendants are already moving for a speedy trial, while others of the defendants want time to prepare. Um, you're going to have 50 or 60 lawyers, and their schedules have to be taken into account. I mean, this is just preposterous, the idea of bringing a case like this a trial in two months or six months, uh, and a group of lawyers who should be shamed forever, a group of lawyers, mostly Republicans, former judges, former prosecutors, former lawyer law professors, have filed an amicus brief in the D.C. Uh, court saying, we want this trial to be conducted on January 2nd. Nonsense. You can't have a fair trial within four months and three weeks of an indictment As complex as the D.C. indictment, there'll be all kinds of motions. There are, I think, a million pages of documents that have to be pursued and and perused and read. And uh, this is going to be a logistical nightmare. But, you you know, if you rush to um, an unjust result, uh, it will be reversed on appeal.
3: Uh, We're talking with Professor Alan Dershowitz, host of The Dershow, author of Get Trump. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, uh, Trump, just prior to his surrender in Georgia, replaced his attorney that was handling the case with another attorney. Do you think that this revolving door of legal representation that Trump has had uh, is a mistake on his part?
0: No, I think he has to get the very, very best, most sophisticated, most experienced attorney. They're not easy to find. First of all, as you know, the 65 project has threatened to disbar and discipline any lawyer who represents Donald Trump or anybody associated with him. And when I wrote an op-ed piece calling that McCarthyism, what do you think they did? They filed a bar charge against me. So lawyers are terrorized, and it's been very hard. I have three lawyers, three or four lawyers over the past couple of weeks calling me saying they had been asked, Uh, to defend Donald Trump. And they won't do it because they don't want their bar uh, certificates revoked. And so, uh, you know, he's had a hard time getting a really, really first-rate lawyer. This lawyer sounds like he's first-rate. He needs one who's both factually good and legally sophisticated, because he'll probably move move the the trial out of the state court into the federal court, because he's a federal employee who is operating within the scope of his uh, responsibilities. So you need a a lawyer who's experienced both legally and factually. And from what I hear about this new guy, I don't know him, uh, he seems to fit that bill.
3: Just a few days ago, the big cover story on all the papers here in New York was Rudy Giuliani's mugshot. And in short order, Trump's mugshot has completely superseded that news event. Do you think that Rudy Giuliani and the other co-defendants are going to benefit from the fact that Donald Trump is among the defendants in this case? Do you think they may uh, have an easier time fighting their legal battles because the focus seems to be so much on Donald Trump and his battle in Georgia?
0: It could cut both ways. I mean, there are some jurors who might say, oh my God, anybody's been associated with Trump. We want to see go down. And others might say, gee, you know, uh, Trump's the villain. Uh, Giuliani was only his lawyer. It's impossible to know. One of the issues in jury selection obviously will be uh, how uh, the jurors relate one defendant to the other.
3: You know, one of the big debates that we've been having here at the office is whether or not, as we're discussing with the mugshots, uh, whether or not you should smile for the mugshot. As an attorney, do you advise a client to smile for a mugshot? It might sound like a silly question, but I think that does make a difference. (laughs) Uh,
0: It's not a silly question at all, especially if the mugshot is sent all over the world. I am sure that Trump people, not only lawyers, but public relations people, uh, went over this thing and practiced it, and he decided to do the really, really tough, I'm getting back at you, uh, you can't push me around mugshot instead of the smile. Um, it, it really all depends on the nature of the alleged crime, the person. There are so many factors that go into it. Um, this was extreme. Um, but generally, I have advised clients to just be very neutral. This is not a neutral mugshot. This is a rehearsed, gotcha in your face mugshot.
3: Professor Dershowitz, I thank you so much for making time to talk with us on uh, really this historic week. It's the end to a very historic week in America.
0: I agree with you. You know, I predicted all four of these indictments in my book Get Trump, and I also predicted that the court would object the. Uh, Hunter Biden deal. Um, and the reason I'm a good predictor is I don't let my personal views interfere. I'm not a Trump supporter. I have a constitutional right to vote against Trump for the third time. And I don't want that right to be taken away from me by some bureaucrat or some DA or even some jurors or judges. That's an inherent right for me to vote against him, for you to vote for him, whatever w- way you want to vote. But all Americans have the right to vote. And this these trials, whether they're intended or not, do constitute election interference.
3: Professor Dershowitz, thank you always, uh, and uh, best to you. And uh, hope our uh, paths will cross again soon. And in the meantime, I hope to talk to you on the Joe Piscopo show again very soon. That will be great.
0: I can't wait for that show. That's my—he's he's one of my my favorite guys. I you know love to talk about Brooklyn in the old days and uh, singing and Frank Sinatra. So. Uh, I I love being on the show just like I love being on Arthur Idalla's show.
3: Always a fun time. Professor, thank you. And coming up on the Arthur Idala Power Hour, Christine Nicholas. Stay tuned.
2: It was a very good year. Gregory Floyd, host of Reaching Out, gets answers to the
5: tough questions from people in the know. We have our... Senator from New York State, U.S. Senator Chuck Schumer on the line. We've been getting a lot of questions about what can be done in these mass shootings. Are there any solutions being discussed on the Hill?
0: There are a number of things we have to do. One is to have universal background checks. You know, there is a right to bear arms, and people who want to have a gun should be able to get one, but only if they're not felons, if they're not adjudicated mentally ill, if they're not spousal abusers. That's all the background check law does, and it has the support of
5: 90% of the people. So we are going to be making a strong effort here on the Hill to deal with background checks. Uh, We're also looking at banning clips of more than 10 bullets.
2: It's Reaching Out with Gregory Floyd at a new time, Saturday afternoon at 2.30 and again at 9 p.m. on AM 970, The Answer.
1: Tonight at 7, have some fun for your Friday. If you make it to the 7 o'clock hour, you know the weekend is upon you. And that's why Christine Nicholas and Kevin McCullough can't wait to host you for a fun hour on Radio Night Live. Join us. Now playing in theaters. I'm one of the best hitters you're ever going to see. The true inspirational story about family and faith. Briarcliff Entertainment's The Hill.
5: They said he will never walk and he ran. How many miracles do you need?
1: Starring Dennis Quaid. You can't
5: play baseball.
1: God's going to give you a higher calling. You seen this? Major League Trials. You're going to paralyze him.
3: It's all stacked
1: against me. The Hill. I cannot do this alone. Rated PG.
5: Now playing in theaters. Get tickets now. This is Dennis Prager. Visit the Holy Land with me, Mike Gallagher, and Inspiration Cruises and Tours. No other trip will be like the Stand With Israel Tour. Call 855-565-5519 or visit StandWithIsraelTour.com.
6: for you.
8: Hi, it's Arthur Idala, and it's back-to-school season, and many students finish college without a clear path towards a career. Do you know a graduate in this position? Well, tell them about Plaza College's accelerated program in court reporting, which allows them to speed their way into the legal field and make great money without going to law school. This is an in-demand, lucrative career with flexibility that more people need to know about. I speak to the district attorney's offices often, and they are in dire need of court reporters. Courts, schools, and television stations are all seeking these professionals to record and caption everything from depositions, classes, live shows, and sporting events. And the National Court Reporters Association has partnered with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and is being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. So sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. D U.
3: Listen to us online at AM970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or Odyssey.com.
2: We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. With New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala.
0: i the night of the wild west, leaving the towns I love the best. Thought I'd seen some ups and downs, till I come into New York town.
3: Well, why am I listening to drug band music?
4: Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, this what's is, the significance this of this? is Bob Dylan. Who? And Bob Dylan. No, I, don't I, I know. You don't know anyone before 1950. Hey, Listen. I know
3: plenty of people after 1950. Well,
4: the reason why I'm playing Bob Dylan today is because back in 2009, Bob Dylan revealed during his weekly radio show broadcast that he was speaking to a number of car companies about becoming the voice of their satellite navigation systems. The 68-year-old said he thought it would be good for drivers to hear him saying things such as, take a left at the next street, no, or right. You know what? Just go straight.
3: You know what? I'm glad we don't have that. Believe (laughs) me. I heard they were going to do a Sesame Street GPS of some sort. Oh, that'd be good, too. That, like, with the Cookie Monster giving you directions. That would be a lot of fun. I mean, what's a lot of fun is guest hosting the Arthur Idalla Power Hour. This is Joe Sibilla, in case you missed the opening, along with Matt Sambolin behind the board picking all the music. And uh, if you just tuned in, I, I want to open up the phones to anybody who wants to contribute what they think is the greatest or most infamous celebrity mugshot of all time. We were talking about a few of them before. Frank Sinatra, Paul Rubens, Nick Nolte, Frank from Staten Island texted us, suggested Larry King. That's a very good one as well. Uh, but the number is 877-970-2999. Number again is 877-970-2999. Uh, please feel free to call in. But right now, I want to talk with somebody who is really one of my favorite people. Whenever I am at an event for AM 970, and particularly Idalla Power Hour Remotes, I tend to have the pleasure of socializing and schmoozing with the CEO of Nicholas & Lentz Communications, the co-host of AM970's Radio Night Live Fun Friday edition, which will be following this show with Kevin McCullough tonight at 7 o'clock, and public relations representative of the Grand Penn Community Alliance, and her name is Christine Nicholas. Christine, what an honor it is to interview you today. How are you? It's a pleasure to talk to you again. Uh
9: And it's great to talk to you, Joe. And hey, Matt. I mean, you guys are working double time today, right? This is a long day for you for <laughs> Friday. So,
4: as are <laughs> and, you, and I Christine. Know you'll be
9: listening. Yeah. Well, I know you'll be listening. You know, uh, to uh, the Friday night edition. So get your cocktails out, and you can. You know, we have Tim Zagat and Steve Kizzo, uh and Nina Zagat. So we're going to be talking about restaurants and and uh, fine dining and all of the trends, and it's a lot of fun. It's a great
3: uh, show. Oh, uh, we do have a Padre Lou libation coming up for so those of you who may want to listen to Christine and uh, Kevin McCullough <laughs> on Radio Night Live. You can get your drink ready, uh, but that's coming up next on the <laughs> Power nice. Hour. Uh, Christine, first I wanted to ask you about your role as the uh, representative for Grand Penn Community Alliance. Could you tell me a little bit about this organization and what it represents for the people of New York City?
9: Sure. Well, it's a grassroots organization um, that really wants to redo, not redo, uh, just like with tiny little renovations to Penn Station, but really make it grand again. So the whole name Grand Penn, it makes you think of Grand Central, which was also, you know, and remains a beautiful train station. The way Penn Station once was, prior to them demolishing uh, Penn Station, basically, you know, totally like decapitating it and then building um, to Penn Plaza and. Uh, the world-famous Madison Square Garden, which sits on top of it. So this group would like to uh, see if they could encourage the Dolans to to move this Madison Square Garden because that is truly the only way that you're going to get a brand-new, you know, state-of-the-art Penn Station, which people deserve. You know, 600,000 commuters go through there um, every day. I happen to spend a lot of time in Long Island growing up, when I was first um, in college, out of college, and I was a commuter through Penn Station. And I have to tell you, it is the reason why, when I finally had children and moved to the suburbs, uh, decided not to move to Long Island. So, you know, sorry about that, Bruce Blakeman, and sorry about that, Laura Curran, (laughs) but I could not stand the idea of my kids, my family, having to go through Penn Station. So that was the determining factor for us to move to Westchester so that we could you know, forget the pain of Penn and enjoy Grand Central.
3: Well, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, Christine. We're talking with Christine Nicholas right now on the Arthur Idol Power Hour. Uh, funny you mentioned that because I went to Hofstra University on Long Island, and this mm-hmm. was, I'd say, within the past five years or so. I was a student there from 2016 to 2018. And in my time there, I interned here at AM 970 The Answer. And quite regularly, I passed through Penn Station. And just in a matter of five years... They already have done a remarkable job of improving mm-hmm. the appearance of Penn Station, for one thing. It's so much brighter, yes. uh, so much cleaner uh, than it used to be, mm-hmm. from what I can tell. But how exactly is Madison Square Garden impeding uh, commuters mm-hmm. passing through Penn Station?
9: Okay. Well, there ha- I-, I will admit there have been improvements, but when you have um, a major arena on top of a major train station, you're going to have to have a lot of columns. And I think it's over 1,100 columns to support the weight of Madison Square Garden and the plumbing and the electricity and the HVAC and everything else that goes into making Madison Square Garden a comfortable experience. All of those columns that had to be put into what was the existing Penn Station footprint, because remember, they just decapitated the old Penn Station. So the train station remains the same where you go down to whether it's track 17, 15, whatever it is, those are the same tracks that were there in the 1920s, 40s, and 60s, but um, the ceiling is much lower. And I know that the governor has, you know, has a plan to bring in where the where the taxiway used to be, possibly making that an atrium, and all of those things make it much more enjoyable, but the reality is with all of those columns, you can't have more escalators you can't have more elevators and when you see what they've done over by bringing long island railroad to uh grand central they put all of that into consideration when they built it so you have all of these ada compliance and you will not have that you can't have it with with the garden i'm sorry sitting on top of it now look i love the garden i'm a Knicks fan i'm a ranger fan um love to go to concerts there and i commend the Dolans for for really improving it however if you look at what they're doing in Las Vegas I'm sorry but I'm a jealous New Yorker and what he's doing with the sphere in Las Vegas we should have the same state-of-the-art beautiful arena in New York City instead we have one of the oldest arenas in the NHL uh, the oldest arena in for the NBA it's 40 years old And as much as you want to put money into it, at the end of the day, it's a 40-year-old arena. And, you know, when those Knicks and Rangers go into overtime and it's sudden death, right, or, you know, it ends, it is the most uncomfortable and dangerous experience to try and get out of the garden. They make you walk down old staircases built 40 years ago. Uh, You're crammed with people. And God forbid anybody yelled fire uh, or whatever, and you're going to have a stampede, and it's it's to the point where either the FDNY or somebody should say, why aren't we fixing this? It doesn't belong on top of a train station. It and- should have its own entrance the way you see uh, Barclays, UBS, um, all of the modern arenas where you can have ingress, egress, and just make it safe and, and more enjoyable.
3: Well, I know that this is not the first location for Madison Square Garden, but it has been there for, uh, I guess, about 40 60, years. Uh, 40 yeah. years. Oh, okay, I I I thought well, it was actually 60.
9: no, you're right. It's it's more than that because it was in 1960, right? So it has. Oh my goodness, it's almost sixty years. You're right. So pardon my math.
3: No, no, no. Okay. That, uh, listen, believe me. I, I it's uh, when you've been up for 15 hours like me, it, uh, <laughs> the numbers get a little fuzzy. But 40 years, 60 years, whatever difference it is, it's been a fixture there in new york city for so long if you could move madison square garden Mm -hmm. anywhere in the city because you really are a woman about town you are a woman of new york you love this city and you're really Mm -hmm. an expert on the city where do you think would be the best location to move msg to
9: well there's a unique opportunity right now just across the street from 7th avenue and in fact when they had the city council um hearings Uh, even Joel Fisher from Madison Square Garden said if the right opportunity came along, of course, we would review it. Well, the Pennsylvania Hotel has been demolished. That super block that goes east from Seventh Avenue, you have a lot of properties. Bernada was planning on building six high rises to pay for the renovations of Penn Station. Uh, You know, those plans have all been scrapped. But what remains is you have a lot of dilapidated, old, unused, vacant buildings. You also have the Manhattan Mall that is vacant, um, not it's closed. So you have a great opportunity right now, especially in this sort of this post-COVID environment. Uh, This is the time when New York should be thinking big, and they could move there uh, so it would still be accessible to all the trains, New Jersey Transit, Amtrak, Long Island Railroad, and then also the path over at Herald Square. You'd have all that accessibility, you would also then be able to underground, you know, create a walking path all the way to Herald Square from Penn Station now, uh, which would, I think, benefit everyone. It doesn't just have to benefit, you know, the, the fans of the Knicks and the Rangers and the concert goers. It should benefit every commuter every day, all hours of the day. And that would be a huge um, improvement. And also it would, I think, benefit the neighborhood. That area is pretty slummy. I mean, I hate to say it. I don't like to diss any part of New York, but when you go to Penn Station, you just want to go and get out and get on your train, and you're not gonna wanna ha- you don't really want to hang around that area. Brookfield did a great job with Manhattan West. That is becoming a destination, but it's still, you know, it's a two blocks west. Um, it's just not pleasant, and you've got to look at this as an opportunity to revive the entire neighborhood.
3: Christine, I thank you so much for sharing your insights, and let's hope that this issue can be resolved in short order, because I would love to see Penn Station uh, brought back to its former glory here in New York. Uh, thank you yeah. always for your time. You are always a delight to talk with.
9: Uh, thank you, Joe. There's a vote on Monday. City Council has the opportunity to vote on the special permit extension for Madison Square Garden. We say only give them a short extension of three years, keep them on a the short leash, so that they can then work on major improvements with the MTA or a brand new pen or a brand new Madison Square Garden
3: Christine, thank you always. This is Joe Sibilli on the Arthur Idalla Power Hour. We will be right back after this commercial message.
1: It took a panicked run on a major bank to lead to the second biggest bank failure in U.S. history. And Moody's just downgraded the entire U.S. banking system from stable to negative. Just a reminder why many people diversify their portfolios with something tangible, something that doesn't need bailing out, something that can't vanish into thin air. listeners by calling or texting now at 800-630-1495. Make sure you mention Salem when you call or text 800-630-1495.
8: Hi, it's Arthur Idala. Summer isn't over yet, and Bay Ridge Honda is turning up the heat by saving you $1,500. You heard that right, $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease and purchase your next car with Bay Ridge Honda. They've been your family-owned and operated dealer for over 60 years. They are your Honda dealer serving the five boroughs. Browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award winning deal Right now, get 0% APR financing and 0% down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long. Plus, you'll receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your new vehicle with them. Even if you don't buy a vehicle from them, they will buy your vehicle from you. Visit them at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Bay Ridge or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. These deals are available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. This deal ends August 30th, 2023.
2: Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The answer. The way you wear your hat. Ah. The way you sip your tea. The memory of all that. No, no. They can't take that away from me.
5: The way you smile just See,
3: that's a voice that I want for a GPS. Forget about Bob Dylan. I want <laughs> Regis going, make a left! Make a left! I'm out of control! You're out of control! Slow down! You're 25 miles over the speed limit!
4: <laughs> that would be fun.
3: See? Wouldn't it? Bring back the great Regis from the dead. Joe Sibilia here on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. And if you're wondering why, Matthew Sambolino, hey, Sambolino! Wondering why he's playing Regis Philbin. It's because I found out from my personal favorite element of the show, the uh, never-ending birthday list, that today would have been Regis Philbin's birthday. And uh, if you know anything about me, you know that Regis is a big reason why I'm sitting behind this microphone, third only to Jerry Crowley and Arthur Idala themselves. Uh, Regis Philbin, growing up, for me, was the person I idolized. A lot of kids my age liked Spider-Man, or they liked, you know, the Jonas Brothers, or or whatever. They, they liked people like that. I was interested in Regis Philbin, even as a little, little kid. And I remember many a morning that I spent sitting on the couch with my mother watching live with Regis and Kelly. Kathy Lee was on with Regis when I was a kid, but I was very young. Uh, when she departed the show for uh, Greener Pastures uh, later on the Today Show. But uh, Regis, uh, there was just something about him. It seemed like everybody loved him. He had the whole world on a platter. And I said, that must be a great job being a talk show host. It wasn't until my mother pointed out to me that that was... And ambition of mine that I realized, oh, yeah, I would like it. He uh, was a little more broadcasting. exciting
4: on, on TV. You know, he wasn't the behind sitting behind the desk and very composed, he was very energetic and lively. He had a likability factor. Oh, too. I know.
3: He, I, it was the thing that was interesting about Regis is you know, a lot of the hosts now are almost like male models, people like Ryan Seacrest. Uh, but Regis Philbin was. Certainly, you know, he wasn't a bad looking guy, but, you know, he didn't have the traditional like, you know, he didn't look like he was coming off of, uh, you know, a Calvin Klein poster uh, to host right. live uh, with Regis and Kelly. He looked like someone who would be my grandfather's brother at my age. He was in his 70s when I was like maybe 10 or uh, younger. So he looked like somebody who would be uh, you know, an older uncle that you would uh, hang out with, and uh, and I always appreciated that about Regis. So much so, I wrote a letter to Regis very early in my broadcasting career. I attempted to get an interview with him when I was in college on my radio show, and it never quite panned out. He had left his talk show by that time, and it was kind of flying under the radar at that point, uh, but it would come out of retirement every now and then to do an interview or appear on a game show or a talk show or something of that ilk. Uh, And I said, you know, I might miss my chance. I might never get to meet Regis or uh, tell Regis what he meant to me because he so often in his career wanted to do that with his idols, people like Jack Parr and Bing Crosby. And uh, so I wrote him a letter, and to my great surprise, I did get a note back. I got a typed-up note, and now this was the funny part. The note was typed and printed out, but it was... And this is why I'm convinced Regis must have typed it himself, infamously bad with technology. It was printed out, and... It was written in a composed Gmail window, (laughs) the body of the note, and it was signed Regis Philbin, and very encouraging words for me, and uh, I was so touched by that. I have it framed in my uh, little apartment back in uh, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and I uh, have it up there with a picture of him, and uh, I'll treasure that forever, because he really was uh, a a major influence on me in my life, so much so that I'm about to tell you a Regis-style story that occurred to me last weekend. I was up in Cave Hill on the Arthur Idala retreat. I was so flattered to be invited by Arthur to go on this trip because he had invited me in years past uh, to attend and it hadn't panned out for one reason or another. Uh, but this year, uh, the opportunity came about that I would go, and he also invited the Sambolino
4: family. Uh, it probably helped that you got a ride there via me.
3: Oh, well, I don't know if it helped at the end of the day, Matt, because, <laughs> you see, I wanted one thing out of this trip. I heard there was a practice golf course on the premises of cave Hill, a beautiful resort. They had a big swimming pool. They had a lovely patio where you could barbecue and grill and drink and hang out with your friends. They have, uh, they have a playground for the young kids. They have a volleyball court. They, anything your heart desires will come to you as is the case in the song, when you wish upon a star and the one thing I wanted to do was go on the practice golf course because golf is so expensive. I very seldom get to play on the meager uh, pay that I, I have. I just can't afford to play golf on the regular. So, and by the way, forever grateful for that pay uh, for, for the boss <laughs> who's listening right now. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yes, I, I just just want to throw that in there. But uh, <laughs> be thankful for the peanuts you get. I, I I'll take any peanut I can get. That's all. That that's what I'm eating for dinner tonight. A bag of peanuts from an airplane. Um, but, but anyway, so I'm on this golf course and I wanted to bring my golf clubs with me. I, my grandfather gave me a beautiful set of golf clubs, hardly ever get to use them. Want to pay homage to my, uh, loving grandfather who bestowed this gift upon me and Matt Sam Bolin, the hard hearted callous man that he is said, I'm not bringing your golf clubs. I'm not fitting them in the back of my car. Maybe we can tie you to the roof. If you want the guy, I'm a
4: father. I, I know what kind of packing one has to do with young child in tow. Well, so I had a feeling we weren't going to fit them.
3: That we could have left a stuffed animal behind or so. So because Matt didn't let me bring my golf clubs, I had to use the on-site golf clubs. Now, anybody who plays golf knows that when you're playing with somebody else's clubs, it is never the same experience as playing with the clubs that you are accustomed to playing with. Uh, so uh, they did have some nice golf clubs. I said, all right, I'll use those on the course. So I go up, drop the ball on the ground, and it's just a practice course, and I go... I line myself up. First time in two years, I take my first swing. Arms go up with the club, and powerfully, I swing the club down. And as I swung the club down, it went straight into the ground. And I'm not just talking about, like, a little divot. It was like I was digging to the journey of the center of the earth. It was like that. I giant chunk of earth flies out in the air Don't! and all i feel is exactly that's exactly what i said all i feel is searing pain in my hand and i'm jumping around like i'm starting a new dance craze waving my hand in the air and i can move my finger but it's incredibly painful and i knew it was serious because john esposito from arthur's law firm immediately came uh and to provide me with medical attention, fortunately arthur 's brother in law, who is a doctor, took a look at
4: my finger and he said it 's probably just sprained, but if it keeps bothering you get an x-ray. So are you saying that if you didn 't use the Cave Hill owned clubs and used your own clubs? No, well, 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 you well, i've
3: been... i 'm going to get to this okay. so, so right. I, now i 'm already a little perturbed i 've hurt my finger on this trip, so I go and get an X-ray done the other day, N- not just a little sprain. I broke the finger. I am wearing a splint right now. This is the first radio show I've ever had to host with a broken bone, and I blame Sam Bellino, and I'm going to sue you for that x-ray. It. You're going to sue me? Yeah, I'm going to sue oh, you. Oh, boy. Good thing I know a lawyer. Hopefully, huh? Arthur's listening to this right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, so needless to say, uh, I'm hopefully going to recover. My mother made the drive into Brooklyn to take care of me, so she might be overreacting a little bit, but- uh, maybe uh, maybe she can take those golf clubs with her when she goes back to Pennsylvania. So I, I, won't I think be, you'll
4: be you have nine uh, other fingers. I okay? won't be tempted to go
3: and uh, uh, try out the uh, golf course near me. Uh, before we go, I would be remiss if I did not introduce the Padre Lou Friday libation. Stop at your usual liquor store and get a bottle of relatively inexpensive French Ablative wine called. Burr, B Y R R H, and before dinner, fill an old fashioned glass with ice and pour two ounces of the burr, one ha- uh, half an ounce of gin. And top off with about three ounces of your favorite tonic water. Stir and garnish with a lemon twist. And as you sip, savor, and swallow, realize that although today was kind of rainy, icky, and cloudy, especially if you have a broken finger because you feel that in your bones, Wham. Padre lose the sun will come out tomorrow, libation, predicts the beautiful future weather ahead of us. Now, my mother, since she's in town, provided me with a madre uh, rose li- libation. <laughs> if you'd like to hear what this one is, you get... Uh, a glass of milk, you get Hershey's chocolate syrup, you deposit the chocolate syrup into the glass of milk, stir, and voila, you have chocolate milk. My family are Beautiful. kind of teetotalers, so to advertise a Padre libation is a little off-brand for me, if you want to say that. But nonetheless, I'm more than happy to partake in this idyllic tradition. Uh, I can only say it's been such a fun time. Returning to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Thank you, Arthur Idala and Jerry, for the opportunity to guest host. Thank you, Joan Pelzer, Matt Sambone, and the whole team. And we'll see you on Monday on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. When you're smiling,
4: the, whole world smiles with you. the Arthur Idala Power Hour
9: is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons PC.